All right, well, as always, it is great to be together with you guys and to be opening up God's word and just waiting on him expectantly to speak into our lives. That is our goal here every week. That's why I like to say it often. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're continuing our journey through. And this week, Jesus enters the town of Jerusalem for the last time. Well, I guess it's actually for the last week. He'll be in and out of town a couple of times. But this begins the last week of Jesus' life. He's going to have some major confrontation with the Jewish leaders, then be arrested and tried, put to death, and three days, rise again. So this is the, we're on the last journey here. He's hitting Jerusalem. So before we pray and read, let me just, I want, to, want you to have a couple of questions in the back of your mind as we go through part of this chapter together. Jesus is entering a city, the city of Jerusalem for the last time. If you go to enter a city, you know, like John and Bethany are getting ready to go back to Tianjin. Maybe you might move somewhere. We had Paul and Jane move down to Florida. If you go to enter a city, or maybe you're getting a new job and you're going to enter a building, or maybe you're just going to enter a new friend's home, how will you do it? And what will your reasons be? Your purposes, what will your purposes be? We're, of course, called to be like the Lord Jesus, to be his followers, his disciples, as we were just talking about. And so we're going to see what his purpose is, what some of his purposes are, how he enters this city together. Let's pray for him to guide us. <clears throat> Lord, we do. Just commit this time to you, Lord. Thank you that you're here, that we are not here alone. Lord, that you promise that you're, you will reveal the truth to us, and your Holy Spirit does that, Lord. We thank you for giving us this book, and we just ask you, Lord, to speak into each of our lives, Lord, wonderful things uh, that will direct how we live. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right. Matthew 21, verse 1. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So as Jesus goes into Jerusalem for the last time, he is fulfilling a prophecy from the Old Testament. And this prophecy says he's coming as their king. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus is coming in humility. 
He's not on a white stallion as a conquering king, but he's on a donkey as a king would arrive, as an Israeli king would arrive during a time of peace. And so he's coming as their humble king. And I would just like you to think about this. This has been Jesus' mode of operation since day one, right? Because we uh, read the story just last week and talked just last week about how he came to earth in the first place. He came from heaven's glory, not to a king's palace or even a rich man's home or even a poor man's home. But Jesus came to the lowliest place imaginable, even to a stable. And all through his life, this has been Jesus' MO, right? He says, I'm humble and gentle. Uh, the, the prophecy says, a, a, a bent reed, he won't break off. And a smoldering wick, he won't put out. He comes in great humility, but he's offering for, a, for him to be our king. Wow. How astonishing is that? Think about his words in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's offering to be our king, but he does so in the most humble way. He's not coming displacing anybody, he came to a stable. He's not coming demanding something. He is giving us a choice. As we'll soon find out, the leadership of Jerusalem reject him. They say no to his offer. Uh, but just think about this in your own life because Jesus is offering us that same choice. He's not demanding that we follow him, that we make him the Lord of our lives, but he is offering. Keep reading with me in verse 6. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. So, you know, we call this oftentimes when we do it close to Easter, Palm Sunday. And what they're doing is they are making a carpeted pathway for Jesus to enter the city of Jerusalem. It's made up of their coats and palm branches and leaves from trees, all welcoming him into the city. And check out what they're saying, verse 9. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When they say the son of David, we know they are recognizing him as the Messiah. That's why they would call him the son of David. And they're saying Hosanna. So here's our Hebrew lesson for today. It's actually a Hebrew word, and it means save, please. For, it's, for us, it's come to mean a, a type of worship. 
You know, we sing Hosanna to the king, right? But it literally means save, please. And that's how they end their chant there or their call there. Hosanna in the highest. So they're asking him to save them. Now they're, of course, expecting him to save them probably from Rome. A physical deliverance. Jesus came to give us, to set us free from something else. Set us free from sin. But verse 10, when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So even his hometown, even coming from Nazareth, it was a poor town. And so we just see again his humility in how he came to the earth. And I just love how it, how it says here that all of Jerusalem was stirred. And I think we should ask ourselves, has, has my heart been stirred by this great king? Am I willing to accept him into my life as my king? As first of all my savior, but also as my king and give my life to him. He's not going to demand it. I want to read you a word, uh, a, a verse from the book of Romans, because this is God's current plan, not just in Jesus, but God's plan for us. This is Romans 2.4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So God himself, the creator of the universe, is presenting himself to us humbly. And he says, don't you realize that my kindness, my patience, my gentleness should lead you to repentance? Now, I'd like you to think of one more thing before we move on to our next thought. First, the first thought is, will we accept him as our king? No, he's offering himself humbly. But the second thought is, will we help others? You know, when we go to a city, like these guys are returning, or when you go to a new place, how will we enter that place? And I'm suggesting we should do so just like the Lord Jesus in great humility. How will you arrive on the scene? I don't remember where in the world I heard this uh, or read this, but it had such an impact on me. I have not forgotten it. it this lady was getting on up in years. And her own statement was, she, she said, I think I'm getting wiser as I get older. Uh, and she said, I used to enter a room like this. Here I am. She says, now I enter a room like this. There you are. And I believe that is how Jesus came to earth. There you are. I love you. I want to change your life. And so we are called to do the same thing. We are called to enter whatever new adventure the Lord has called us to with humility for the benefit and blessing of others. 
The second thing I'd like you to notice about uh, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem starts in verse 12, and that is that Jesus cleanses evil. He not only is coming in as our humble king, but he has come in to cleanse evil. Look at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So stop there for just a moment. He's cleansing out the evil of the temple. He says, this is not what my father intended for his temple. Obviously, you know, the Old Testament did allow for them to bring money if they had to travel from a great distance and buy their sacrifice there at the temple. So obviously, they were not being honest. They were not being fair uh, in their dealings here at this location. And so Jesus is cleansing out that evil. Now, I'd like you to notice that it is really a symbolic act that Jesus is doing here. Because <clears throat> he did this twice in his ministry, is the first reason. If you go to the book of John, chapter 2, right at the very beginning, he's just chosen some of his disciples. He went to Cana, he was at a wedding, he turned the water into wine, did his very first miracle. And then he, at the beginning of his ministry, he cleanses the temple. It reads almost just like this. But I'll bet you he wasn't gone for half an hour at the most till the next day. And they were setting those tables right back up again. They were putting out their money change instruments all over again. It was happening again. And here Jesus does it a second time at the end of his ministry. And I think he's just showing us he wants to cleanse the evil. He's not forcing us. Uh, they probably, after he left that night, set it all right back up again. We don't know those details. But I'm pretty sure, uh, and we'll read about the Pharisees confronting him here in just a second. Actually, let's go ahead and read that. Uh, the blind and the lame, verse 14, came to him in the temple and he, he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. So they confronted him about this. They were not happy about what Jesus was doing in the temple. I'm sure they set those tables right back up. But Jesus does want to cleanse the evil out of our lives as well. He offers himself to us as the humble king. It's our choice. 
but then he is willing to help us get rid of the evil in our lives. Think about this verse. This is Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, they will be like wool. Of course, the day you ask him to forgive you, trust him as your savior, he washes you white as snow. But then his goal from us, for us from there on is to live a different life. And so he wants to cleanse that evil out of our lives. Point number three, I'd like you to think about from Jesus' life here, uh, and that is that Jesus removes wicked leadership. And I believe that's what's happening here. Again, it would be a symbolic act that he does, but look at verse 18. Now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, okay, so he left the night before, I'm not sure why. I'm wondering if maybe to be a little bit of out of reach of these Jewish leaders because he still had a week left until he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and got arrested. But anyhow, he's coming back in and he became hungry. Verse 19, seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there be ever be any fruit from you. And at once, the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up, and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, here at the end, Jesus is talking about prayer and faith. And he says, prayer and faith will move mountains. Now, as I mentioned, I forget exactly when, <laughs> a few weeks ago, I don't think Jesus is intending for us to rearrange the geography of Virginia or for them to rearrange the geography of Israel. He wasn't asking them to go shift the mountains over, but he's giving us a vivid picture of how huge prayer and faith are and how they can change things in our lives and in our ministries and in our relationships. So I believe that is what he is trying to get them to understand. But I want to just go back up for a moment to what happened to this fig tree. What is going on up here? I believe it's a symbolic act that Jesus does. And one of the reasons is this story also is in another one of the Gospels. It's in Mark. If you turn to Mark chapter 11, you can read about it. And over there, it adds a detail. It says it was not the season for figs. So Jesus went up to this fig tree, and it, no fig tree 
would have had figs on it at that time of year. But still, he says, never will there be fruit from you again. And in the second half of this chapter, and in the two chapters following, we're about to dive into them in Matthew, Jesus has major confrontations with the Jewish leadership. Things come out of Jesus' mouth that will surprise you. At least they always surprised me. Not that he says anything inappropriate, but he is just pointing out the extreme wickedness of these Jewish leaders in their opposition to what God's trying to do. And so I believe it's a symbolic act. The the nation of Israel was something that God planted to bear good fruit, and they're not bearing good fruit. And so Jesus is cursing that fig tree symbolically because that's what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. In 70 AD, not many years after this, Rome comes in and destroys that whole temple. And the, the people of Israel once again are scattered throughout the nations. <clears throat> he removes wicked leadership. Thinking about our own lives. Uh, I believe Jesus is offering himself to us as our king in humility. He wants to cleanse evil out of our lives. And he wants to help us get out from under wicked influences. Like those Jewish leaders. Are you and I up for that? Are we willing for that to happen? Are we willing to uh, let him clear out the evil in our lives without setting the tables back up? And are we willing to let him remove wicked influences from our lives. You know, sometimes it's easy to go, okay, I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. But then we don't take precautions to get those influences out of our lives. And so we, what's the old word we used to use? Backslide. (laughs) Because we weren't drastic enough. We didn't get rid of those influences. And so I believe God wants us to take it a step further. And, uh, and we do that together. We can help others do that. That's the second part of this I'd like you to think about. I kind of skipped over it on point two. But as we go into the lives of others, we are offering to them the humble king. And we're offering to help them on their journey of cleansing evil from their lives. And we're offering to help them on their journey of getting wicked influences out of their lives. I I want you to read a verse with me. Turn real quick to Acts chapter 3. This is something that happened uh, in Kathy's and my life with a friend of ours whom I can't tell you her name. But here's the situation. She's going through a divorce. And it was starting to look ugly. Her husband was doing things that were very unkind. She even called them evil. I don't remember some of those details. Uh, But it it was a really, really hard time. And she was calling Kathy and I and just asking, what in the world do I do? She says, she was on the journey of wanting to be a Christ follower. And so she said, 
I want to pray for him. I want to pray that God will bless him. But I just can't seem to bring myself to do it because he's being so wicked. And we read this verse with her. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 26. This is at the end of one of Peter's messages when a lot of people came to know the Lord. Verse 26, Peter says, For you first God raised up his servant, that would be Jesus, and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. I just want to read that one more time. Think about that. For you first, God raised up his servant, that's Jesus, and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. And so we said to this young lady, pray for your husband that God will deliver him from his wicked ways. Because when you do, you are praying that God will bless him. Because being delivered from wicked ways is an enormous blessing. And so we want to let our humble king be welcome into our lives, become the Lord of our lives, cleanse out the evil, remove the wicked leadership, the wicked influences. We, sh- we live in a very dangerous world. And there are a lot of voices out there. We, of course, have seen them seemingly double or triple or multiply in huge ways in our days. And so we need to be careful who we are listening to and who we are following. I want you to consider one final thing, though, about uh, this confrontation Jesus is having with these leaders, and that is that Jesus is living under God's authority. This will be our last section. Look at verse 23. When he entered the temple... The chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Really the implication there is, you're not authorized to do this. We're in charge here. We set up these tables. We gave these these guys permission to buy and sell and do all of these things. You do not have this authority. What in the world do you think you're doing? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I'll also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? Jesus basically turns their question aimed at him and asks them, he aims it at John the Baptist. And he says, let me ask you, What authority did John the Baptist have? Was his authority from heaven or was it from men? So the Pharisees start their little minds clicking and they go, well, if we say God was leading him, we're in trouble because John the Baptist pointed directly at Jesus and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed directly at Jesus and said, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie this guy's shoelaces. This is the guy you should be following. 
So if we say he spoke from God, Jesus is going to say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say John spoke from men, they'll stone us. Because they all love John and they all think he spoke from God. So they say, we don't know. Verse 27, so Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But I believe the powerful implication, I think obvious reality here is that Jesus is operating under God the the Father's authority. As he's told us on numerous occasions, right? I do nothing on my own initiative. But whatever I hear, that's what I speak. God is leading me. He's doing it under God's authority. And this is such an important question for us to resolve. These Jewish leaders didn't want to acknowledge Jesus' authority because they didn't want to lose their own authority. They wanted to be in charge. He's overturning money changers. That's not in their plan. They want them set back up. He's, well, read the next two and a half chapters. We're going to be there. Jesus is overturning what they want to do in major ways, and they see it. So they do not want to recognize his authority. They want to be in charge. So we have the same question, right? Will we recognize Jesus' authority in our lives? and surrender our lives to Him? Or will we keep living them ourselves? You know, it's so easy. I know, I've experienced it. It's so easy to say, Dear Lord, please forgive my sin. I put you in charge of my life. And then take back over the next day. Right? It's so easy to do. But we'll be so blessed and our lives will be so different if we give him the driver's steering wheel and the gas pedal and the brake. If we give it all to him, it's going to be so different. I just want to end by giving you this quote. This is from a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. Uh, a great Bible teacher, and I wrote some amazing devotional books. Uh, But just want to leave you with this. He said, people who are crucified with Christ have three distinct marks. Number one, they are facing only one direction. Number two, they can never turn back. Number three, They no longer have plans of their own. Please pray together with me. Lord in heaven, we just are thrilled to know you, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord, as our King. Lord, we want you to be our King. Lord, help us. Each of us, if if in any way we have taken back the steering wheel or maybe we've taken back the brake pedal or or maybe even we've taken over the control of the heat knob. Lord, help us not to do that. Help us, Lord, to let you 
Be the leader. How we need you, Lord. And Father, we ask you to help us in our journey of not only being your disciples, but of discipling others. Uh, Lord, help us to just gently guide their progress through these steps. We thank you for the privilege, Lord. We thank you for your love and your constant presence. We just worship you together today. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.